Welcome to the Open Door Church podcast. Our prayer is that you will be encountered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and challenged by the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Guys, it was a few weeks ago that we jumped into this topic of spiritual disciplines, right? And uh, I'm defining those as practices, or even if you wanted to use the word habit here, uh, that help us grow in our relationship with God. Uh, my assumption is that you are here this morning, uh, taking up precious time that is so valuable to us on a Sunday, uh, because you do want to grow closer to the Lord that you do want to strengthen your relationship with Jesus. Uh, I hope that's a safe assumption to make. Maybe somebody twisted your arm to be here and you got kidnapped, uh, but we're okay with that too. Hopefully by the end of the day, wow, that sounds, don't take my sound bites and put them on the internet. We're not okay with kidnapping people, but we are okay with bribery and persuasion if it gets them in the door and they encounter Jesus. Um, <laughs> we're just... Uh, my assumption is, is that you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And some of the ways that we do that are these spiritual disciplines, these practices that maybe we know on a fundamental level we ought to do or we should do just in the same way. We know we need to diet and exercise if we want to be healthy. But at the end of the day, uh, that doesn't materialize for all of us very easily. It requires something of discipline and in the same way with our spiritual lives, there are things that we need to implement, things that we need to consistently put into place if we want to be healthy spiritually. And so we've been talking about those. A few weeks ago, we, we covered the topic of Bible study, right, and, and, and reading the scriptures. And then I introduced this topic of prayer. And uh, I, I took one sermon to introduce this topic of prayer and had planned on uh, starting to build off of that over the last number of weeks into really delving into a, a deep dive on the topic of prayer and how we could implement it practically. How do normal people actually engage in the place of prayer? Not just the monastic community, not just if the super Christians, but how do normal people really dive into prayer? And then uh, last week, uh, we kind of had a little bit of a curveball. I felt the Holy Spirit stir something completely different and uh, we took a little bit of a detour, but I promised that we'd get back on track. And so we're going to jump back into the place of prayer. If you've not been with us and you're interested in catching up, uh, Pastor Adam does a great job of putting all of our messages online on our podcast. So you can listen to the detour last week or even catch up with maybe some of those introductory messages uh, regarding spiritual disciplines. I think they're helpful to kind of take together in context. And so uh, I think it's appropriate, though, before we get too far this morning, for me to take a moment to remind you that spiritual disciplines, these practices, these habits, the practices of studying, uh, the practices of prayer that we're talking about right now, or fasting, we're even going to talk about giving and some other things here eventually, they are only beneficial in light of our affection for Jesus. These disciplines, being disciplined in these areas only makes sense in light of love for Jesus because there are plenty of, uh, of different uh, belief systems out there that implement similar disciplines. People can be disciplined in meditation. They can be disciplined in, uh, in even prayer. They can be disciplined in fasting. You've got people that have, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole diet trends built around the idea of fasting. And there might be some temporary benefit for those practices, but they really don't have any kind of long-term spiritual um, sus uh, substance to them outside uh, for us. To do them just to do them doesn't make sense. Uh, I wrote this, is that you could be militant in your discipline to fast. You could be a Navy SEAL when it comes to getting up early in, your, in the morning and spending hours in prayer, but without the driving motivation of love for Jesus, you're missing the point. You have to understand this because spiritual disciplines are not simply a means to an end. Oh, no, they are. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you for agreeing with me, Stan, even when I was wrong. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I, I thought, I even bolded 
this in my notes here to make sure I didn't misread that because when I was writing, I, I, I said it wrong again and again and again, and here I did again. So this is great. This is why people listen to our podcast. We should do a blooper reel at the end of each one of our messages. Anyway, spiritual disciplines are a means to an end. And that's something that I want you to understand. They're not the primary goal. The primary goal is not just that you would pray. The primary goal is that you would pray so you could spend time with Jesus. The ultimate goal is that we would be mature disciples of Jesus. And the way that we get there is the, are these spiritual disciplines. Does that make sense? They stretch us, they grow us, and they are beneficial for us 100% of the time. But the end goal is not that you'd be really good at Bible reading. Um, It's not that you'd be like the best faster that ever fasted. That is not the, that's not the driving motivation. That's not the factor. It's not that you become like a a level 27 prayer warrior where you fill out the, the prayer sheet that Stan passes around and you fill out every hour for 24 hours. And that's like... Boom, I am super prayer. That is not our goal. That's not what we're trying to do. And no, I don't want to update my notes or my computer just decided, hey, do you want to update right now? That's awesome. Um, (laughs) The end goal, friends, is not that we be really, really good at these disciplines. Yes, I want that to be true of us. I want us to be people of prayer. I want us to be people who fast. I want us to be people who are in the Bible. But the end goal is that we would be mature disciples of Jesus. And to do that, uh, we need to abide in him. The goal is that we would remain in Christ, in his love, and in his word. The goal for us is abiding in Christ. And these disciplines are simply tools that help us do that. John 15, 5 through 8 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide with me, he is cast out as a branch and he is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Two weeks ago, I broke down how prayer is more than just asking God to do something. It's, that's an aspect, right? Asking, we're even going to talk about that today. Uh, asking God to do something is an important part of prayer. And that's where most of our minds go to when we think about prayers. Uh, you know, we ask God for help on a test or we ask God to get uh, ourselves out of a mess that we got ourselves into. or We ask for his hand of protection. Maybe we're asking for his blessing. Those things are important. They're an aspect of prayer, but it is more than just that. It's our way of connecting with God. It's this open line of communication, a two-way conversation that utilizes both speaking and listening. I think a lot of the times we envision prayer as us talking to God. And maybe we've even defined it that way before, but uh, I want us to to kind of look beyond that and understand that prayer is not just us talking with God, but it's a conversation with God that requires us. How many of you guys have ever been in just a one-sided conversation, right? Where you've just, uh, you've been the person that just has to listen because you can't get a word in edgewise. And then you'll step away from the conversation and understand that that person didn't listen to a word that you had to say. Um, sometimes we treat God that way, right? We come to him and we tell him all of our problems, but we don't stop and listen to what he has to say about what we're talking about. And so don't take this as don't ever talk to God. He wants to hear you. He wants to hear your voice. Um, But it's important that we don't just kind of uh, pigeonhole prayer into this idea of us just talking or complaining or asking of God. It's beyond that. And we talked a little bit about these kind of themes a few weeks ago. And I I recognize that some of this might be Uh, repetitive, but it's important to where we're going. I wrote this, that prayer is the conversational part of the most important relationship in your lives. The conversational part of the most important relationship in your life, and that is your relationship with a loving God and a loving Father. 
how terrible would it be to have a relationship with God, with a God that you were never allowed to engage in conversation with? Because if you, if you understand this, uh, all of our relationships with people are built around conversation, are built around time and investment with one another. Uh, for those of us that are married, uh, I know there's a good portion of us here, we understand how important it is to have good communication and conversation. Um, if you were to ask Kelly, probably the number one thing that becomes a point of strife in our marriage or a point of uh, place where we're working on, it, it, it stems from a lack of communication and a lack of conversation. Something that we're consistently working on and consistently growing on. In fact, my relationship with Kelly did not begin and we didn't fall in love with each other until after conversation opened that door, Right? If you guys remember maybe when you first met your significant other and you started uh, kind of going down this road of dating and eventually marriage and all of this stuff, it happened with conversation. I remember speaking with Kelly for hours on end and not being able to stop talking to her and about her. And uh, that is true, I believe, with our relationship with the Lord. If we want to love Jesus more, if you want to grow in love for God, I believe a pivotal aspect of growing in love with God is going to center around conversating with him and having, uh, having fellowship and talking with him, having communication and conversation. Um, if you're lacking in passion and love for Jesus, spending time and talking with him, not just to him, is how that begins to change. And so while we're talking about prayer, there's a few things I need us to understand. And uh, first off, it's this, is that um, we're not praying for God's benefit. I, I need you to think here, while he enjoys it when we pray and he enjoys hearing from us and he enjoys spending time with his children, um, he doesn't need your prayers. He's not going to be less omnipotent, less holy, less worthy, or less God if we don't pray. He invites us to the place of prayer for our benefit, not his. And so while he enjoys it, yes, the primary purpose of the place of prayer exists for your benefit, not his. And so I think second off is, uh, I'm going to say this, uh, we don't have to pray. You're thinking, Pastor Nate, isn't that a little counterintuitive to a message on prayer? To say something like, you don't have to pray. But I want you to think of it like this. You don't have to pray in the sense that it's something you check uh, off on a list of spiritual duties. You get to pray. Just in the same way, I don't have to spend time with my wife. I get to go on a date with my wife. I don't have to, to spend time with my kids. I get to enjoy their fellowship. We get to pray. It's a privilege to be invited into conversation with the ruler of the universe. Imagine this. Let's say the president of the United States of America invites you into the White House because he wants to talk to you. And, and for the sake of this analogy here, uh, you can use whatever president you want. <laughs> I don't want to get into any trouble here this morning. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln sends you a handwritten letter. <laughs> okay, now it's getting weird. Um, <laughs> but invites you, uh, invites you into the White House to have a cup of coffee. I, I don't know. Does the president, is he allowed to do that? Probably not. I, I, I don't know. But let, 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 for the sake of this example, let, let's use this. And you get, a, you get a letter in the mail and it says, you know, Nathaniel Ward, you're hereby requested by the president of the United States uh, to join him for coffee because he just wants to talk to you. He, 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 he wants to talk to you. you. You wouldn't look at that invitation as something like, Oh man, I got to go to the White House and meet with the president, right? 
I think there would be a sense of honor. <laughs> there would be a sense of expectancy. You would be excited about being able to go and meet with the President of the United States. There would be something, maybe even a little bit flattering about it, wouldn't it? That, man, the President wants to meet with me. Man, I would be rubbing that in all of my friends' faces like, guess what? I got an invitation to the White House because I'm a big deal. I'm important because I'm immature and the Lord needs to work on my pride, obviously. <laughs> but I wouldn't have this obligatory mindset of showing up at the White House. Uh, I, I think I would have this mindset of, man, this is, this is a great honor for me to step into the White House to spend time with the ruler of the free world, Right? not knowing like what he's getting at or his end goal. But <laughs> I, when you translate this and, and you kind of try to put it into perspective, what kind of honor it is that we're invited into the courts of heaven with the Lord of heaven and earth because he wants to hear from us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to talk to us. It's not something we should have this obligatory mindset about. It's something that we should be honored and cherish the fact that the God, the mighty ruler of the entire universe wants to make time to spend with us. That's wild. And I think if we could grasp that, it would change how we approach our times of prayer. It's not something where he's kind of got this big busy list and he just has to listen to us pray because you know he's God and that's part of his duty. <laughs> he loves to hear the sound of your voice. He loves it when, when you intentionally step away and, and, and step into communion with him. That's why he says if in the book of James, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Man, these sermons on prayer have been so hard for me to write because there's so many different angles and so many different topics and so many different things that I want to say and fit in. And I feel like it's important that you understand this. I'm passionate about this thing of prayer and I'm passionate about us grasping prayer as something that's important and something that is pivotal because I believe that this is where things change. I fell in love with Jesus, not because I went to this awesome church service. The very first thing I did after I gave my life to the Lord, it was on a Saturday night. I tried to go to church. I didn't wind up going to the right church. Uh, I, I was trying to go to Pueblo Christian Center, actually, and nobody had told me back at that time they had a, they had a warehouse, and uh, it was called the Activity Center. And nobody had told me that that wasn't actually the church. And so I showed up there on Sunday morning and nobody ever showed up uh, because uh, that wasn't where they had church on Sunday morning. And so I missed that service on Sunday morning and wound up showing up at a prayer meeting because that was the next thing on the church calendar on a Tuesday night. And it was a, it was a little awkward. It was a little weird. I didn't know what was actually happening but uh, people were like walking around the room and there was music playing softly in the background and I didn't know what to do, but I just sat down and I began to talk with God and I began to fall in love with Jesus and it transformed everything. And my heart here, friends, is that we would grasp the privilege that we have when it comes to this idea of prayer as a discipline. And not just view it as something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. And it's an exciting, exciting aspect of our faith. I say that. Does anybody here ever feel guilty about not praying enough? That's me. Everybody, especially as I'm preaching on prayer. It's like Pastor Nate's up there with his guilt stick, trying to make us feel bad that we don't pray enough. I realize I'm preaching on the necessity of prayer, and I'm encouraging you guys to pray more, but I often find myself in this place where my time in prayer looks like uh, a lot of apology on my end for not spending enough time in prayer. I don't know if anybody else ever struggles with this. It's kind of a a paradoxical thing, and it's, it's not a, a super helpful cycle, but I'll come to the Lord and be like, God, I'm sorry I didn't spend enough time in prayer, or I'm sorry that, you know, I could have prayed more, but I'm not. And so then uh, my time with him is centered around me not spending time with him, and I don't actually get to the place of spending time with him. I don't know if anybody, and this isn't like a consistent thing, but I've had this happen, 
And I, I, I've spoken with a, a few of you and know that this is something that you've experienced. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this, this, this idea of guilt, especially when it comes to the place of prayer. Um, because guilt is an absolutely terrible motivator in some senses, and it's a great motivator in other senses. And so when my kids lie to me <laughs> about something they do, I want them to feel guilty so they fess up. <laughs> I want to work through those things. And maybe, and there's a lot to work through there, but I, I want to say this, that guilt is a terrible motivator for any continued behavior apart from repentance. And so, I, I, because we cannot sustain spiritual disciplines we can't continue prayer. We can't continue fasting. We can't spend time in the word in an ongoing measure from a sense of guilt. It's not a, it's not a, a sufficient motivator, friends. That's not what guilt is designed to achieve. And it's why feeling bad over pray, not praying enough will never turn us into men and women of prayer. Uh, I, I like this. This is what John Bloom would say. Um, about feeling guilty in prayer. He says, technically, guilt is a legal status. Emotionally, guilt is a burdened conscience, a response to an awareness of real or perceived failure. Therefore, guilt is something to get rid of, not something to harness as a motivation to develop and persist in a habit. Its intended purpose is to push us toward one primary action, repentance. Repentance is God's designed means to free us from the burden of guilt. When I was in high school, um, it was common practice for me to spend multiple hours in a morning in the place of prayer and spending time with Jesus. I'd get up at 4 a.m. every morning. I'd turn on my sound system. I had this, I had this giant sound system in my room, and I lived out in the county where I didn't have neighbors or anything like that, but I had these giant speakers and I saved up forever to have these and music was really a part of my identity. And I'd start just blaring worship music at 4 a.m. Now, hear me out. I didn't have uh, parents <laughs> that were around <laughs> and I didn't have siblings or anything like that. So I had an empty house. So um, please don't take my, my story here and be like, you know what, Pastor Nate told me just to pray really loud at the top of my lungs with loud worship music at 4 a.m. or your neighbors are going to probably not want to come to Jesus because of you, uh, even if they hear you praying for them. <laughs> uh, or your spouse may not be uh, too thrilled with that. I know I can't do that these days. Kelly would uh, strangle me if I got up at 4 a.m. and just started praying loudly in the spirit or something like that. Uh, Anyway, what was I, where was I going with this story? Um, I was spending time in prayer. I extended amounts of time in prayer. Uh, when I first came to know the Lord, I spent, uh, spent hours every morning in prayer, and I'd pray for my school, and I'd pray for my friends, I'd pray for my family, and then I would sit, and I would, just, I, I would spend time in the presence of the Lord, and I'd actively try to hear from Him, and it was this beautiful time in my relationship with the Lord. And then I went to ministry school. And this ministry school really emphasized spending time in prayer. In fact, we had a requirement where we had to get up early. Um, we had to get up an hour before we needed to be anywhere and spend a minimum of one hour. It was like a time clock that we had to clock in to spend in prayer before we went to the gym and we had to work out because the school believed in us being healthy physically as well as spiritually. So then we'd have to work out for an hour before we showed up at the school where we'd have a time of corporate prayer. And I'm not kidding when I say the very first uh, the very first day of school, uh, we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing, and the prayer meeting went uh, continuously all day, so we prayed for another six hours. And I was wondering, what did I sign up for? What did I get involved in here? <laughs> and something interesting happened uh, to me during that time where my passion for prayer really began to fade because it became something that not, I just wasn't enjoying, but it was becoming something that I viewed as something that I had to do. And I, I'm not saying that the school was wrong in any sense. This was something that the Lord was working through me. And it took me, it took me a, a good portion of my time in this ministry school to regain my passion for prayer. 
And the Lord did a lot of work there. But uh, I mention this because I struggled with guilt so much during my time in ministry school because there would be times where we were supposed to be praying and I knew that it was expected of me to be in prayer that, uh, and I just, I didn't have a passion for it or I would fall asleep. Has anybody ever fallen asleep trying to pray before? <laughs> Adam likes to tell this story all the time, but when we first started hanging out, we'd go back and forth from Pueblo to Colorado Springs to, there was this little room and it was called the Furnace Prayer Room at New Life Church. And we'd spend time in prayer uh, at, this, at this little prayer room. And I think it was the very, maybe one of the very first times we had ever went. We went to this prayer room and they have this, this wall where there's people that need miracles. They need physical healing. They, and it's just this wall that's full of names and there's a chair in front of the wall. And I went over there and I was gonna pray for these people um, that they would receive their healing, or maybe it was salvation. I don't, I don't really remember, because I fell asleep. I just, I straight up started snoring. And Adam, being a brand new Christian, was there. I was like, man, Pastor Nate is going hard. Like, he's just, man, he's really in the place of prayer. He has not moved from that wall in like an hour and a half. <laughs> then the music stopped, and he could hear me snoring. <laughs> woke me up and we went home and I, I'd like to say that that was a one-time occurrence, but that was something that honestly uh, I struggled with for a while. And uh, I, want, I want to encourage you here, if when you go to spend time in prayer, it's difficult or you get distracted or, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard thing for you to, to get involved with, I don't want you to think it's a natural thing just to be good at prayer. It requires practice. It requires discipline. But I just think that guilt is not an appropriate motivator for us to spend time in prayer. And I don't believe that that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And you might be here recognizing, hey, I do need to spend more time in prayer. But let's let that guilt turn into something like repentance. Let's invite the Holy Spirit here because he's not hanging that over your head and expecting when you come to him and when you come to the place of prayer for you to just give penance for not spending time with him. Let's move past that and move into intentional uh, time in the Lord. And so uh, I should read what I wrote here um, because I thought that was fairly okay. Um, when I was falling asleep a lot in prayer, and it wasn't just that one time, it would be when we have all these kind of different things that we were doing. And in the early morning when I had to wake up at five, which was later, our, our time in ministry school was exhausting to say the least. I kept falling asleep before we were supposed to go to the gym and all of this stuff. And I felt like the disciples, you know, when, when Jesus invites them to go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, and he goes off and he prays a little farther and he comes back and all the disciples are asleep. And he's like, can't you even watch and pray with me for one hour? And I'd be like, no, God, I can't. <laughs> my spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak and it's really tired. And so this is what I wrote. If you struggle with consistency in the place of prayer, maybe even feel guilty about not praying like you should, I really don't want to downplay the significance of that feeling. Um, because I believe it can be used um, to enter in, but let's not let that serve as the motivating factor. Let's just recognize it, but let's let God deal with it um, because you feeling guilty is not the catalyst we're looking for to strengthening our prayer lives. That's why I'm not up here trying to make you feel guilty like you don't pray enough. Let's invite the conviction of the Holy Spirit um, and, uh, but let's not, let's not just let guilt loom over our head because uh, I really just want to invite us this morning into the wonders of what prayer can do for your spiritual life. And so if you need some scripture um, to emphasize this point, there, there are plenty of scriptures that exist um, that exhort us to pray more. And I, I want to read some of them. Romans 12, 12 says, be constant in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray at all times in the spirit with all perseverance. 
Philippians 4.6 says pray about everything. Colossians 4.2 says continue steadfastly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. Luke 18 uh, says always pray and do not lose heart. So there's these continual repetitive messages to pray more, right? (laughs) So how do we not feel guilty when we're not praying more? Why don't we pray more? I think the answer is pretty simple, and it may be convicting to us. I believe that we don't pray more because we really don't believe that it works. I think we, we, we are theologically people of prayer, but practically we're slow to put it into practice. I think we've reduced prayer to wishful thinking rather than remembering it's the God of the universe who wants to hear from us, who promises to respond to us. We have these exhortations for us to be intentional and spend more time in prayer, and I recognize I'm not there. But I don't necessarily want to feel guilty about that this morning. I want to invite, like we did last week, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to move us into the place where we want to pray more, where we're convinced that prayer is worth the time it takes. Okay, so two weeks ago, I concluded my message out of, uh, on the introduction to prayer with uh, the Lord's Prayer that's found in Matthew chapter 6. It's something that most of us are familiar with. I had a handout even Uh, that I kind of put out, which was supposed to serve just as a practical guide of praying through the Lord's Prayer and uh, using it as a model for spending time in prayer. Um, But I didn't really cover any of the particulars of that in the message itself. Right in Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples come to him and they pray this prayer, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus responds with what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, or, or sometimes we refer to it as the model prayer. And so in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13, I'm going to read uh, the Lord's Prayer. You, you may be familiar with it. It says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, friends, I think you could pray that prayer verbatim and it'd be spot on. And I think it's something I, I encourage you to actually maybe even practice that, maybe do that as a starting place. But I believe it's supposed to serve as a model for us to follow. I, I believe that there's, it, it, it serves as an example for us and how we ought to spend time with the Lord um, when we pray. Uh, Who likes acronyms? Anybody like acronyms? I personally, nobody, okay, great. (laughs) I personally personally really despise acronyms. I I saw the hand back there. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not going to go off on that. Um, I think it's probably because I struggle with spelling. And so if you struggle with spelling, acronyms don't really, uh, don't really help. And so I'm going to give you an acronym uh, for prayer out of uh, P-R-A-Y, but we're going to add other letters into it because I don't know how to spell. And I wanted an acronym, but it didn't work. No, I'm just kidding. That's how it started. That's not where we're going. I think I, I, think I figured it out. <laughs> how many of you guys remember the acronym ACTS? Uh, maybe, maybe remember is the wrong word. How many of you guys have ever come into um, hearing this acronym of ACTS, A-C-T-S, in regards to teaching about prayer? Has anybody ever heard that before? I know it might be older. Okay, I thought maybe more than three people would have heard of it. Um, does anybody know what they stand for? The A? Yes, adoration. adoration. And then C is? Contrition. Contrition. Oh, yeah. It was... Now it's confession because nobody uses that word contrition anymore. (laughs) And then we have T, which is like Thanksgiving, right? And S is this word that uh, really nobody uses is supplication, right? And it means to ask God for things. Um, And so 
that's something that maybe you're familiar with. Maybe I should have just stole that and preached it. Only three people had heard of it. Man, I could have pioneered it and made it my own and be like, hey, yeah, Pastor Nate, that was really good. Um, <laughs> I wanted to teach a different one today. And uh, it's, uh, I'm going to teach you prayer or pray, P-R-A-Y. And uh, I'm going to do my best. Uh, <laughs> I'm not very good with acronyms and I don't do them very often, but felt like this was fitting. I remember, I don't had to be 15 years ago now. Uh, I was at a service at Praise Assembly of God in Pueblo, and uh, Pastor Bobby Wilson was teaching on a Sunday morning, and he was teaching about prayer. And he had an acronym for pray, and uh, it stuck with me because it was really easy to remember, and uh, it's kind of been embedded in my mind. Uh, he did this whole message on pray, and P stood for pray. <laughs> and R standed, R standed, R stood for really pray. <laughs> and A stood for always pray. And Y stand, wow, stands, stood, stood for you pray. And uh, I've remembered that, and he's gone through it. Um, <laughs> it was actually a really good message, but um, me and my friend Daniel joke about that awesome, off, off, bleh. Wow, I don't know why English is so hard this morning, but it is difficult. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to kind of take uh, the acronym for PRAY. And if you Google this, you'll find different acronyms out there for PRAY. That uh, There's all kinds of different teachers that have taken this acronym for PRAY, and they've put their own spin on it, and they've put their own thing on it. And so what I'm presenting to you today, I don't want to pretend like it's entirely original, but I liked some things about some teachers that they had uh, regarding different acronyms and different letters. And so I kind of made up my own and uh, wanted to present it to you. And so if it doesn't make a ton of sense, I apologize. It makes sense to me, and it was helpful for me in compiling this, and I, I hope it is for you. And so uh, P, or you could put P squared, because I have uh, two words here for this letter P, and that is to pause and praise. And I wanted, I wanted to kind of emphasize both of these this morning, because I think when coming to a place of prayer, it's important for us to pause. I think that's why Jesus, before he even jumps into the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 6 that we just read, he, he begins it in Matthew 6.6. 6. He says, when you pray, he says, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place, right? He gives this instruction um, to actually get alone, to withdraw, and uh, intentionally pause, intentionally withdraw yourself to pray. And I think pausing is something that we miss out on um, doing consistently because of the, just the nature of busyness in our lives. Right? We ask people how you're doing, and the number one response these days is, is busy. I ran into a guy at the county fair this yesterday. I was man, how's life treating you? He's like, busy. <laughs> I know that one of the things that I tend to naturally respond with, with uh, when somebody asks me how I'm doing, it is I'm pretty busy. And so you may scoff at this idea of slowing down and stopping, but it's something that we desperately need. And Jesus modeled it for us. He says in Luke 5, 16, that Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed and prayed. I want you to, I want you to grasp this because Jesus was a busy guy. There was a lot of demand placed upon him. Crowds were constantly gathered around him. Uh, he, he seldom uh, really had privacy unless he intentionally sought it out. And I, I, wanna, I just want to kind of, you're not, I, I don't believe, <laughs> there isn't more pressure placed upon you to perform than there was upon Jesus. And I say this because Jesus had a lot going on and whatever kind of responsibilities you have at the moment, whether it being uh, in the workplace, whether it being a parent uh, in a relationship, there's nothing that is more important than your relationship with God. And so there should be nothing that has a higher priority than you being intentional about being connected to God in the place of prayer.
And so I think it's important that we pause. I think it's important that we take a moment to, to step back, to kind of step out of the busyness, step out of chaos. And if that means getting alone, if it means going into a closet, maybe for you it's going out. I had to go on a drive last night because I just needed to get alone with God. And, you know, chaos... Houses are crazy when you have toddlers, right? <laughs> and I needed to just go spend some time with the Lord. I think it's important uh, when we're spending time with him or when we're, th- when we're trying to grow in the place of prayer is that we're intentional about carving away space and time for us to slow down and withdraw, to pause, um, to still our heart, to be still and know that he is God. But that pause naturally leads into a place of praise because the Lord's prayer begins with this invitation to adoration, right? That A in Acts begins with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we have paused to be still at the start of a time of prayer, the most natural and appropriate response to God's presence is reverence. And we'll move into a place of praise. And I think that that is natural and reflective. And sometimes my times of prayer never get to me actually asking God for something because I'm hung up in this place of simply being with God. And it may just, spend, it may just look like a moment of me just telling God how good he is. And that's okay. But if we're going to follow this, this kind of outline of prayer, this model of prayer that Jesus has given us, I think uh, there's another natural kind of progression. We see that in the R. And I had like four or five different letters. I talked about rejoicing. And then I thought, well, rejoicing is a little too close to praising. And, but I really want to get that, that contrition that we, we talk about and see. And so uh, I went with repent <laughs> for, for my R in my prayer acronym here. And I think repentance is, a, is an important aspect of prayer. And I think it's most notably modeled throughout the Psalms. If you're reading the Psalms, you'll see kind of David's, uh, David's life. And Psalm 51 in particular really models repentance. But this comes out of what we read in Matthew chapter 6, um, out of the Lord's Prayer, where we ask God to forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so I, I believe that there is a confession aspect to our time of prayer where we recognize the things that the Holy Spirit has convicted us of. Like what we talked about last week where we were inviting the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I believe that confession of sin and acknowledgement of the need for God to work in one's life is present here. Prayer is the place to begin the process of repentance. I wrote that revival is always preceded by repentance, right? David says in Psalm 51 verse 9, he says, Hide your face from my sins. And blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I think it's helpful for us to be specific about our sins in confession. And I I love this, this quote. It says this, true confession is to say the same thing about your sin that God says about it. And so I think it's helpful for us to come to the Lord with conviction, uh, come to the Lord with confession in repentance. Um, and I think it's important when we ask for forgiveness. Um, he's, he's just, he's able to forgive. He wants to forgive. Um, but that we're also making sure that we're not holding anything against someone else. Um, that we're actually actively forgiving Uh, others as we've been forgiven. And we could spend a lot of time on this, but I'm going to move on this morning uh, to the A. And A is easy for me, uh, and it's probably the easiest one for us to talk about. It's to ask. But I didn't just stop there. I I wanted to say to ask and acknowledge. um, Because to ask for something from God is to acknowledge our need for God. I need you to think about this, right? Because uh, in, in Matthew chapter 6 there, we know that the Father knows the things that we have need of before we even ask him. And so 
um, we're not bringing requests to God because he doesn't know what's going on. Um, we're bringing requests to God and we're acknowledging him and it serves as an invitation for him to join into what's happening. He's not caught off guard when we bring our requests to him, right? He knows what you need before you even ask. And so then I think it's interesting when we jump into John 14, this is a promise that uh, it actually came up in our deeper project on Tuesday night. Uh, But it says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We think of other verses throughout Scripture. There's so many that we could highlight uh, when it regards around this concept of asking. I think of very plainly, uh, we know Scripture tells us we have not because we ask not, right? Uh, And I think this is where we kind of forget that prayer is actually powerful. If we actually believed that God was going to do what we were asking of him, I believe that we would spend a lot more time in prayer. <laughs> I think sometimes we think prayer is just wishful thinking and we, we kind of dilute it to that. But what we're doing is we're asking the God of the entire universe to move. And so this, this idea of asking, it's, it's the one that we're probably most familiar with. And uh, when most people think about praying, they immediately think of asking God for the things that they need. God wants us to ask him for what we need, and he loves to respond, but that's not the entirety of what prayer is. And I think we've got that point, you've tracked with me so far. And so I'm excited to actually talk about this aspect of prayer on our Wednesday nights. Um, We have a Wednesday night prayer meeting here at the church that we're we're going to be making some announcements here in the upcoming future um, about actually doing teaching on Wednesday nights and really prioritizing what's taking place in the place of prayer. And so we're not canceling prayer meetings or anything like that, but you're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks. We're going to be starting that in September. Um, and we're going to be teaching on things like intercession and petition, these, these things about asking God to move. And I'm excited for that. So that's just like a, a, a plug, promotional plug in my message there. And the why that I have that I wrote down here for prayer. And uh, the why is yield. You see, the Lord's prayer is very clear about who is in charge and who's not, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not Pastor Nate's, not mine. (laughs) Praise for it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. When entering into prayer, even when we're asking for things, maybe we're asking for specific things, we need to be sure that we're doing it in a posture of yielding to whatever it is that God wants us to do in, for, and through us in his kingdom. You see, Jesus demonstrates this in his prayer in the garden, right? In the garden of Gethsemane, Luke twenty-two forty-two, right? He's, he's praying uh, in the garden before his crucifixion He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I think that's demonstrated in Christ eventually going to the cross for you and I. Yielding to the Father's will. Was it something that he necessarily wanted to do in and of that moment? No, but we see his will coming into into conformity with the Father's. And that is something that I believe that we need to see. That's, that's one of the ultimate goals of prayer is that at the end of the day, that our will would match his. And then when we ask for things in his name, we can be assured they'll come to pass. I wrote this, that yielding is contingent upon listening. In order to hear from God, we need to make space in prayer where we're not the ones always speaking. Guys, I have a lot more to share about prayer. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of things that we could talk about. And I recognize as I was writing these messages that, uh, man, this would probably be better as like in a classroom setting where we could take notes and we could have call and response and I could really dig in deep rather than just on a Sunday morning for the sake of time. But 
that's one of the reasons why we're excited about doing some more intentional teaching on prayer and on the gifts of the Spirit in our Wednesday night services. And uh, we're actually going to be implementing live worship and some things that are going to really, uh, I believe, transform our prayer gathering that we've been faithful and consistent in for decades now on Wednesday nights, something that is a, um, a staple of this church, something that we are, are passionate about and I'm excited about. Um, but I want to leave you with one last practical tip. Um, if you're struggling to grow in the place of prayer, if this is something that you know, man, I want to pray more, I want to really have this be a spiritual discipline that I cultivate, but you're having a hard time with it. Um, I want to give you an invitation to join us at our prayer gathering on Wednesday night. Because I know this, that when I first began to spend time with the Lord, when I first began to pray, and we're talking about something daily, we're talking about something personal, we're talking about something here that is private. But my... Um, My engagement in a prayer meeting with other believers actually served as fuel for me to learn how to pray in private. And so I just want to give you an invitation. I was talking to Pastor Gary. Um, I called him. He was a pastor. He still is. He can be. I'm sorry. I was listening to his message uh, yes, last night and uh, from when he shared while I was gone. And it was very good. Anyway, we were talking um, a few weeks ago, and uh, we were just talking about how he really grasped a heart for prayer. And he had somebody invite him to come and pray, and an older gentleman, uh, he showed up at the church to pray with this older gentleman, and he just told him, do it, pray. <laughs> we, talked about the, we talked about the Nike commercial, right, or the logo, that's just do it. It's like, man, you want to learn how to pray? You just got to do it. And so I want to invite you guys, join us on a Wednesday night. It may be awkward, it may be a stretch, it may be something that you've kind of got to figure out, but it is something that I believe is worthwhile in us pursuing and growing in. And uh, I just want to give you an invitation. That's my practical tip. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to check out more of our messages, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Just search Open Door Pagosa. Our ministry is made possible by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this morning's message and want to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, find us at opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give and stay connected with everything we are doing as a church.